For the past 10 years, BlackRock has been one church in two locations. Our speaker today at our Fairfield campus is the newly appointed pastor of our Stamford campus, Hal Haller. Following Eric Lubert's excellent leadership, Hal has assumed the same campus pastor position, but with a different elder-appointed mission. But to understand Hal's new mission at Stamford, I need to give you some background on Hal himself. Three years ago, Hal and Sharon Haller moved from Florida up here to Connecticut with their two kids, and they started attending Black Rock Fairfield. And while worshiping here at Black Rock, they got busy doing what God called them to do up here in Connecticut, which is planting Bible teaching churches in New Jersey, New York, and Connecticut. Sponsored by the Southern Baptist Convention, Hal is a pastor and has been a church planning expert for over 20 years. Meanwhile, as Eric Lubert transitioned out as campus pastor, he strongly recommended that we find a way to move our Stanford ministry from the sparsely populated Long Ridge neighborhood further south to the downtown areas that really need a church. So this is the mission the Black Rock elders have given to Hal to use his church planning skills, to use our BlackRock-owned facility in Long Ridge as a launching pad for a new church plant using space closer to downtown Stanford. Our Stanford congregation is really excited about their part in transitioning from being a BlackRock campus to being an independent church. This process will likely take a couple of years, but this hasn't discouraged our brothers and sisters in Stanford. They are more excited than ever about their new mission. So join me in giving a BlackRock Fairfield welcome to my good friend and our Stanford campus pastor, Hal Haller. Well, good morning. Good morning. All right. I want to say good morning to the Stanford campus as well as they're joining us live stream. A few days ago, a good friend of mine, Steve Allen, and I were out in Phoenix, Arizona and made the trek up to the Grand Canyon. My friend Steve, his dream was always to climb the Grand Canyon, to go down to the bottom where the Colorado River was and to come back up. In his journey, it only took him three and a half hours to get to the bottom. He had left at four o'clock in the morning. He was there at 7.30, took his shoes off, put his feet in the cold, crisp water of the Colorado River, and he felt immediate satisfaction and victory. Yet he forgot about the eight-and-a-half-hour journey of climbing back up the Grand Canyon. He said halfway up the Grand Canyon, he just stopped. He was sore, he was stiff, he was exhausted, and he thought, I'm never going to make it. My dream is going to come to an end. And yet, he kept going, and eventually he saw the, the top of the rim of the canyon. His first experience was complete exhilaration. His goal was almost to be accomplished. But then there was desperation, because the ants that he saw on the top of the rim were not ants. They were people. He had a long way to go. And so he came up with a strategy of just simply saying, I'm going to keep my eyes focused on the top, and I'm not going to look back. I'm going to keep looking forward till I get there. And 12 hours later, after he started his journey, he arrived to the top. 
excited and satisfied that he had completed his mission. In the same way, Jesus has given us a mission. And in the short time that we have here on earth, he expects you and I to complete it. In fact, Jesus said this in John 17, I have brought you glory on earth and I have finished the work you gave me to do. In fact, you go a little farther on in the passage, he says, you sent me into the world and in the same way, I have sent them into the world. And I pray for everyone who will believe in me because of their message. If you have your Bible, you might even just want to highlight or circle that word sent. You have been sent by God into the world to help people know the message of Jesus Christ. This is your mission. This is my mission. This is our mission together. And if you can't remember that simple statement, then let me refer you to the epic film, The Blues Brothers. <laughs> and in that movie, they say, we're on a mission from, that's right. The Bible says again, Jesus said, may peace be with you. The Father has sent me, so now I am sending you. Notice that word again. In John 17, Jesus is about to go to the cross and he tells the disciples, hey, I'm commissioning you and I'm sending you for this message. Then in John chapter 20, Jesus now has already risen from the dead and now he appears to his disciples and he says the exact same thing again. How many of you repeat something to emphasize its importance. Now, whether or not people listen is another story, but here twice, in his last days, and before he ascends to heaven, he says, I am sending you. Now, what are we supposed to do? What is this mission? In Acts 20, verse 24, it says, but my life means nothing to me. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. It says, the only goal is to finish the race. And I want to complete the work the Lord Jesus has given me. Now, here it is. He wants me to tell people about the good news of God's grace. Another version says it this way. The most important thing I do is to complete my mission of telling others the good news of Jesus Christ. That is our mission. Now, some people in life... They don't believe in that mission. They think that it's success. That's your mission in life. Live your life for accumulating wealth and status and financial security. Yet others say, no, it's not success. It's personal happiness. Pursue the things that bring you pleasure and joy. Yet others will say, no, you, you live your life for excitement. Go for the latest thrills and chills and challenges. Live life on the edge. Yet others say, no, it's all about relationships. That, that's your mission, to build great friendships and really enjoy your family. Now, all of those things, there's nothing wrong with them that I just mentioned. However, that's just not your mission. Jesus didn't send you into the world for your personal pursuits. When you and I stand before God, he's not going to say, wow, I was really impressed with how much money you made on earth. 
That house, wow, that was incredible. Man, way to go. I don't think God's going to say that. He's not going to say, wow, those cool trips and adventures you took. Man, I wish I could have been in your shoes. I don't think he's going to say that. Or you know what? When I looked over the face of the earth, I noticed you were number one with the most Facebook friends. (laughs) You know what he's going to say? He's going to say, did you complete the mission I gave you? Did you tell others the good news of God's grace? Will there be anybody in heaven who will thank you because they're there because you took the time to share with them? You see, in the next 365 days, 55 million people in the world will die. And many of them will die without the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. In the next 365 days, 2.6 million Americans will die. And many of them will not know the good news of Jesus Christ. This year, roughly, in Connecticut, 30,000 people will pass away. And many of them will go into a Christless eternity. When I think about those numbers, it's almost too much to bear. Millions and millions of people, they need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And if we care, we will get on his mission. So let me give you briefly four quick things that you can do to get started. Number one, open your eyes. When you were born, most of you received your physical eyesight. And many of you, when you were born again, you were given a whole new set of spiritual lenses, spiritual eyes. And God wants you to open your spiritual eyes so that you can see what he sees. Because there's this unseen reality that we will never see until we open our spiritual eyes. When we tap into what it is that God sees, what his perspective is, and what his viewpoint is on everything. And when we do, it changes everything. Jesus said, don't you have a saying? You say, still four months to harvest time, but I tell you, open your eyes. Look unto the fields, for they are ripe with harvest. If I could do it in the how paraphrase, if I were hanging out with my kids, I would say, bro, are you kidding me? There are so many people who need to receive me right now. People are crazy interested in knowing me. They just need someone to tell me, to tell them about me. It's more people than you could ever realize. You see, the reality is, is oftentimes we don't think people are interested. That somehow nobody really wants to hear what we have to say. But nothing could be farther than the truth. The reality is the harvest is so plentiful that he needs more people to be living, sent on his mission. When Jesus saw the crowds, he felt deep concern for them. They were treated badly and were helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is huge, but there are only a few workers. So ask the Lord of the harvest to send workers out into his harvest field. Now, I want you to look at this word, saw. He didn't just see like a large group of people just milling around. He saw 
their spiritual condition, and he was moved with compassion. Whenever God opens your eyes, that is what will happen to you. You will see more than just the obvious, and your heart will break for those who are far from God, those who are in your family, those who are in your neighborhood, in your community, and in your workplace. And you'll see how broken and helpless and in spiritual despair people are, and it will burden you. The reality, the truth is that the spiritual opportunities are all around you. The question is, is what do you see? And if you can't see the spiritual realities around you, I want you to pray right now and say, Lord, open my eyes that I may see. Once you open your eyes, you need to listen to God. There's a little less known prophet in the Bible named Habakkuk. In his story, it becomes real obvious he needs to hear from God. And he's not sure what he should do. And in chapter 2, he says this phrase, I will station myself. Simply stated, he decides he's not going to do one thing. He's going to stay put. He's not going to move until he hears from God. Now listen, God will speak to the people who take the time to listen to him. And you have to to hear from God. You open your eyes and God will show you the need that you open your ears so he can tell you specifically what it is you should do. Jesus said, I'm carrying out my father's instructions right down to the last detail. Another translation says, I only do what the father tells me to do. That's an amazing scripture to me. I mean, wouldn't it be cool if that were said of you and me? We did exactly what Jesus wanted us to do on earth, right down to the last detail. How was it possible that Jesus was able to do everything that the Father asked? The simple answer is, he listened. He listened to the instructions and he carried them out. You might say, well, wow, I've, I've never really heard God speak, or I've never really had God direct me. Now, now pay attention. One of the main characteristics of a follower of Jesus Christ is their ability to listen to God. Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. The reason why we often don't hear, hear God is because we're too busy. And hurry is the death of prayer. So station yourself. Keep your mind and your heart clear and free for whatever it is that God might want to say to you. And when you pray, say, God, here I am. If there's anything you want to say to me, I'm listening. You see, the truth is God's always speaking. The question is, am I listening? Open your eyes. Listen to God. Act in faith. If your eyes and ears are open, it's just a matter of time before God will tell you what to do. And trust me, it will be much bigger than you ever imagined and probably scary and probably overwhelming. And by the way, that's a good thing. Because if it's something that you could do on your own, then you don't need God. So God needs you to trust him. God had a mission for Abraham, but he didn't tell Abraham the details in advance. In fact, it says it was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home to go to another land that God would give him. He went without knowing where he was going. 
Now, now think about this. Abraham's 75 years old. He's coming to the end of his life. He's got this great retirement plan. He's worked out, right? And then God says to him, I'm going to take you now in your old age, and I'm going to make you the father of a brand new nation. So pack up. We're going to a new country. And Abraham says, okay, where are we going? And God says, you never heard of this place. And Abraham says, okay, well, how long is it going to take us to get there? And God says, well, don't worry about it. And Abraham says, well, okay, well, how will I know where I get there? He says, well, I'll tell you when you get there. I'm not, now, is that something you would do? Faith always involves a risk. Are you going to do it your way and play it safe? Or are you going to trust him completely? Trusting is the only way to fulfill your mission. Hebrews 11:6. without faith, it is impossible to please God. Those who come to God must believe that he exists, and they must believe that he rewards those who look to him. See, this is the risk and reward principle. You take a risk, you trust him, then you watch what God does, and he'll show you that he will reward you. And taking a risk means you have to be courageous. Following Jesus is not for the faint of heart, but when you step out in faith, God will show you that he is God. It always involves a risk. So the question is, what am I courageously trusting God for right now? Open your eyes, listen to God, act in faith, and don't give up. Don't give up. The Bible says, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know your labor in the Lord is not in vain. The key phrase in this scripture is stand firm. Don't stop living the mission out. Give yourself fully to his work. One day I, feel, I felt like I was ready to throw in the towel with my Christianity and my service to God. And I sat down with my son. I was tucking him into bed. And I had not told anybody or him how I was thinking or how I was feeling. But my son said, Dad, you can't give up. Dad, you can't give up telling people about Jesus. I'm like, what? Where's this coming from, right? And he says, one day, Dad, you're going to die. And I'm going to take over. But until then, you can't give up. And I'm like, am I going to die? <laughs> God was speaking right through that child to me at that moment. Now listen, some of you are at the quitting point. You're ready to give up. You're stressed out. You want to play it safe. You're, you're willing to give up on God's mission because maybe some bad things happened in your life. You're ready to throw the towel in because you're tired of the criticism. Or you're ready to give up because it seems like maybe God has not come through for you. But whatever the reason... God has brought you here this morning so that he could say to you, don't give up. You keep believing, you keep obeying, you keep persisting, and let nothing move you. Stay excited about your faith as you serve the Lord. And when you hope, be joyful. And when you suffer, you be patient. And when you pray, be faithful. God will see you through if you don't give up. You see, living sin on his mission can be discouraging, but the question you have to ask yourself 
is, am I completing the mission that he's given me? There's a reward for those who finish. 20 years ago, my wife and I started a church in Miami, Florida. We had this young lady who was coming to us, to this church. Her name was Danielle. And after a few weeks, I went up to her and I said, Danielle, I said, I've noticed you've been coming. What about your husband? She said, oh, my husband, he'll never come to church. And I said, well, why don't we start praying about it and get involved in a community group with other ladies and you start praying. And that's what she did. And for a year, faithfully, they prayed for her husband. And one day, a friend of her husband, his name was Orly, and his friend was named Manny. Manny invited him to come to church, and because he liked Manny, he said, oh, I'll give it a try. He says, now, what's the name of that church? He said, well, it's Living Hope. He's like, where is it located? He said, well, let me just say that's the church your wife's been going to for over a year. She can tell you how to get there. And that first Sunday, he showed up, and he sat in the back of the auditorium, and after the service was, was over, he made a beeline right down the aisle way. He came up to me and said, that was one good blanky-blank sermon. And I knew I was talking to the right guy. He wasn't a church guy. <laughs> but he liked it, and I said, thank you. He said, I'm not a churchgoer, and you won't see me again, but thanks a lot. And he left. The next week, there he was in the very back. Makes a beeline after the service. And he says, you know... I really liked it today, but you know, I'm not a churchgoer. The only reason why I came is because my wife invited me. I had nothing better else to do, and so you won't see me again. Fine. Thanks a lot for coming. Third Sunday. Who's there? Orly. He's sitting in the back. He comes down the aisleway, and before he can say anything, I say, hey, Orly, this is your third time in a row. That means it's a habit. I will see you next week. <laughs> and sure enough, he came. And two or three months later, Orly gave his life to Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and my friend began to be on fire for God. He was hungry for God. He began to serve. He became generous. He got to the point where he actually became a leader within the church. It was an amazing transformation. But in the life of our church, we were growing, we were thriving, we had pastors and so forth. But then one day, one of our pastors left, and so did half of the church, and we became not only numerically challenged, but also became very financially challenged. And in short order, we went from a positive cash flow to a negative cash flow. I started rearranging bills and all kinds of things. I didn't know what to do. I became desperate, and I just started calling out to God and said, God, I don't know what else to do. I remember it was in the beginning of November, and by the end of the month, we had to have $17,000. I'm like, I don't know where I'm going to get $17,000. And so I prayed prostrate on the ground for three plus weeks every day saying, God, you have to show up. And my assistant came to my office and said, I think you're going to like it. It was a FedEx package. I put my hand into it. All there was was a check. And the check was made for, you guessed it, $17,000 from people I didn't even know. I'm like, thank you, God. I was so excited. And then under my breath, I said, but don't forget, by December, if we're going to finish in the black, we need $25,000. <laughs> so I was back to praying again because it worked. As I prayed, I said, God, please come through. Two weeks later, another FedEx package, no letter, just a check for $25,000. Unbelievable. I told my assistant, I got to know these people. <laughs> so she called them. We met 
And I said, I got to tell you the story of how God usually said, no, we need to tell you a story. Ten years ago, our daughter-in-law got involved with a guy we did not like. We knew he was bad news. She loved him anyways. She eloped with this guy. And every attempt we had to try to get him to pray or go to church or Bible study, whatever, he always rejected it. He wouldn't come to anything. It got to a point where we just finally said, you know, I don't think there's any hope. And then our son-in-law started going to this church. And it wasn't long before he told us that he had been going to church and that he learned something in his community group. And they said, we didn't even want to say anything like good or bad or excited because we were afraid. We said anything, we might mess this up. And so he began to change. He began to transform right before our eyes. And the reason why we sent you the gift is because we couldn't thank you enough for what God has done in his life. And then they slipped a check across the desk over to me. I'm like, what? So not to be too obvious, I kind of peek. <laughs> and I see 200. I'm like, great, $200. They're like, we want to give you a gift because we know you want to build a facility. We were in rented facilities at the time. I said, great. So I looked again, and there was a comma after the 200. It was a $200,000 check. The first thing I did is I exploded in tears. I cried my eyes out. I was completely broke and destitute. God paid all of our bills, and now we're going to have money in the bank. Unbelievable, God. And the second thing I did is I went to the bank as fast as I could <laughs> to make sure that check was legit. And it was. It's about a changed life. It's about telling people the good news of Jesus Christ. That is what we live for. David said he served God in his generation. I hope that will be said of you and me. It's my prayer for you. And my prayer is that God will use you on your mission in this time and in this generation. There are so many people in Fairfield County who need the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, who will tell them? And who will fulfill their calling of living sin into the world? God has given us the privilege of sharing this great news with others. You can respond like Moses and say, who, me? You can say like Jonah, not me. Or you could say like Habakkuk, why me? Or today, you could say like Isaiah, send me. Open your eyes, listen to God, and finish what he asked you to do. We want to thank you for watching and listening to our sermons online. And we hope that uh, you will be inspired to live more like Jesus through these. Please check out blackrock.org for more information about our church. Know that you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. And also uh, know that you can give uh, to BlackRock and to our ministry through PushPay, through our mobile app, and on our website. Your uh, donations and your support of our ministry allows us to have uh, these videos online and for us to impact our community.